As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. On today's Fantasy Baseball in 15, we'll kick off our look back at the 2021 season by looking at hitters who changed their plate discipline profile. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have That's not had uh, three cold uh, brews yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 presented by Tops. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. I'm Al Melkier. I'm here with Derek Van Riper. It's Monday, September 27th, inching ever so much closer to October DVR. So final week here, we're going to switch things up a little bit uh, rather than focus on the news, which is really all season long what we put a lot of the focus on in these uh, 15-minute shows. Uh, we're going to spend most of our time uh, each day this week looking back at certain statistical categories and looking at leaders and year-to-year comparisons and seeing what that might tell us about uh, how we value certain players going into next year. So uh, before we do get into that, uh, we are going to do a a regular feature that we typically do on the Monday shows, which is look ahead at some start-sit dilemmas with players that have had some health issues. So DVR, just three players this week, uh, Cedric Mullins, Joey Votto, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr., all missing uh, parts of the weekend due to injuries with uh, Mullins. It's a sore hamstring. He did pinch hit on Sunday. Uh, Joey Votto's got a sore knee. He did not play either Saturday or Sunday for the Reds. And finally, Gurriel, he's not played since Thursday. He's got that middle finger with some stitches in it. Uh, no specific timetable for for Gurriel, really not for any of these three players. So uh, is there anyone here that you would sit in this final all-important week because of these health issues? I would try to sit Gurriel because of the nature of the injury with the stitches. Even though they would want him to play if he could, it just seems like he is going to be limited even if he does. Votto, I don't see any reason for the Reds to push him into the lineup at all. And I think the fact that Mullins pinch hit on Sunday gives me confidence that he'll actually play at least close to a regular week or has a chance to. So I think I'm in on Mullins, but I'm sitting both Votto and Gurriel given the circumstances. 
And, you know, looking at the players, too, in terms of what they can contribute, Mullins, uh, you know, very unique among the three in terms of the stolen base potential if he does play a full week or even something close to it. So uh, just another reason, too, to go ahead and keep Mullins in your lineup. Uh, If we look ahead to Monday's lineup, uh, not much to talk about here in terms of streamers. If it wasn't for some rainouts last week, There'd be, I think, only two games on the schedule as it is. A few have been added, but really, I think only two potential streamers to talk about. Uh, One is Raverson Martin, who's a pitcher that we talked about on the Athletic Fantasy Baseball podcast on Sunday, the the weekly uh, waiver show. And then Matt Manning, somebody we've also talked about, he gets the White Sox. Uh, San Martin gets the Pirates. San Martin obviously getting the much better matchup, but also uh, it's a major league debut. So not sure what to expect there. Too much risk with both of these pitchers, DVR, or do you see reasons for one or the other or both? Sam Martin's been good in AAA, so I, I get it. He's kind of more of a command first guy with some funk from the left side. The results at AAA have been good enough where you could take that chance if you wanted to. If you're in a, a 12-team league, something with an innings cap, maybe the, the strikeout rate's a tick lower than you'd like. But generally, I think that's about as favorable as a debut landing spot as you can have. And I think because the depth has been there at AAA, I'm okay with it. Uh, I would think with Matt Manning, it could be a watered-down version of the White Sox lineup as they're resting players. But he's been so up and down, I think it's only the... My ratios are a mess. It doesn't matter if they get messed up even more sort of Hail Mary for me if I'm going to stream him. You know, the only appeal I see here, and it's it's shaky, <laughs> is maybe the, the potential for a win because you do have Dallas Keuchel going for the White Sox, and he's just not been very good uh, for much of this latter portion of the schedule. So, But like I said, Manny's been up and down. It's not like he's uh, been all that consistent himself, so... Yeah, it's uh, definitely a reach there with with Matt Manning. So let's uh, move on DVR to, again, a feature that we're going to roll out this week. Uh, There's a tool. You and I have both talked about it a little bit at different points throughout the season. On Fangraphs, they've got a feature called the Season Stat Grid, and you can basically choose one out of several dozen uh, stats there and, and compare one year to the next year in terms of improvement. So it's a nice tool to use for, you know, roster management or looking for players who, you know, maybe are kind of uh, falling through the cracks, but, but improving in certain skill areas. So I thought it'd be kind of cool to look now that we're nearly done with the season, see how players compared this year versus last year. Now it's not a great comparison because last year was, you know, just barely more than a third of a season. So uh, there's a lot of, we're going to see a lot of players on these lists, I think, who regressed because in the small sample, they were extremely good or extremely bad in certain regards. And so they, you know, they just merely used 2021 as a year to regress. But some of the players we're going to talk about really did improve or maybe decline uh, in certain regards. So I thought we'd start off with, uh, a stat for hitters, uh, O-swing percentage, the, the percent of times that they chase pitches out of the strike zone. So DVR, before we even dig into the particulars of who's on the leaderboards, both in terms of the most improvement and the, the biggest declines, what does this stat mean to you in terms of uh, fantasy management? Is this something that that is has been useful for you? Yeah, I mean, I think so. It's a, clearly like a more granular sort of look at uh, how aggressive a hitter is or how often a hitter is fooled is another way to look at it, too. If you're swinging at pitches outside the zone, it could be a very competitive pitch that you probably had to swing at. Um, but, you know, knowing that a guy improves in this area to me is a, a sign of either an improved uh, eye, like just discernment of the strike zone or improved uh, game planning. 
by the team that that player plays for. I think that's the other wrinkle that sometimes gets lost in the shuffle. Sometimes you'll see a cluster of players from the same team that all improve in this regard, and you might find that they change their hitting coach or uh, somebody within the organization is handling the, the coordination of hitting differently, right? There's a lot of little wrinkles that can be added in here. Well, and I find too that in isolation, it doesn't necessarily tell you that much, but I think it can be the kind of stat that if you see it coupled with some other type of improvement, that uh, it can maybe increase your confidence that that improvement's going to be something that can be carried over. And just to kind of underscore that point, before we get into the the top uh, improvements and the top uh, declines, uh, just to look at the overall stat so far in 2021, and the the hitter that has had the worst place to plate discipline by this measure is Salvador Perez. I mean, he swung it close to half of every pitch that he's seen outside the zone, 48.3% O swing rate, right behind him, Jose Iglesias. No surprise to see Javier Baez rounding out the top three, Yadier Molina, Bo Bichette. So right there, you see a mix of players that uh, have and don't have uh, a lot of fantasy appeal. And then if we go to the, the other end of the spectrum here, the, the most selective hitter by this measure, again, not a big surprise, Juan Soto right behind him, Robbie Grossman, Tommy Pham, Max Muncie, Brett Gardner, kind of a mixed bag there as well. So I think it's it's a stat that works best when it's used in combination with other stats. So with that said, let's let's go ahead and let's start with uh, the hitters here who have improved the most. That is, they've, they've been more selective. Their rates have actually gone down. They're swinging at fewer pitches outside the zone. Best player or the most improved player, I should say, in this regard this year is Yuli Gurriel. And this is something that kind of surprised me because I just kind of viewed him as same old, same old this year. And that's actually a good thing for Yuli Gurriel. So does this change anything for you understanding that uh, this isn't even a regression case? He's had by far his best season in terms of minimizing the chase rate. Yeah, and I think he's always had a good hit tool. We've always seen low strikeout rates from him in the first place, but what we saw this year was a career-best walk rate. And I think I'm a little more likely to believe in at least some of those gains holding into 2022, seeing that the underlying change is as significant as it was for Yuli Gurriel. So I think you're exactly right. This is a metric that works best when you kind of use it to help paint the entire picture or uncover more of the picture of what's going on underneath something that's on the surface like a walk rate or a strikeout rate yeah the the power for him really didn't improve i mean he had that one uh outlier season 2019 with 31 home runs but you know seems pretty much locked in as somebody who you know on the outside might give you 15 to 20 home runs a year uh, he's got 14 so far this year so not really seeing gains in that area but somebody maybe now who's more of an obp threat than uh than he's been in the past uh right behind guriel carlos correa this is looks like more of a regression situation where uncharacteristically last season he swung at almost 34 percent of the pitches he saw outside the zone uh this year back down to 26.5 percent that's a slight improvement over his past seasons, but not not a big change there. Robbie Grossman is somebody we've talked about a lot this year. He's not only one of the leaders overall in terms of low chase rate, but big improvement this year, uh, 19.1% after 25.9%. Again, this is a, a, a stat that's in line with his pre-2020 uh, numbers, but does this uh, regression in a good way give you more confidence that what he did this year is really legit? I mean, I think he's always controlled the zone well, so this shift doesn't change a lot for me. But the fact that he's hit for more power than ever, maybe that's part of the reason why he was able to do that. Better pitch selection than he had previously, and he already had good pitch selection 
It's weird. I mean, 23 homers and 18 steals. I didn't see that coming. I have no idea where I'm going to draft Robbie Grossman in 2022 at this point. <laughs> I know for the most part we'll have a winter to sort of work through that, but hopefully with the slow draft I'm doing with Zola, hopefully in the week or two before we get to that pick, uh, we'll have a clear understanding if it's a good idea to take Robbie Grossman somewhere, I would assume, in the 150 to 200 range overall. That is going to be a real interesting discussion, uh, certainly with your draft that's going on and just, I think, all offseason long, try to parse out the numbers for Robbie Grossman this year and figure out he could be all over the place in terms of ADP next year. Uh, fourth on this list is Kyle Schwarber, kind of a regression season for him, getting back to being extremely selective. But number five on the list, I think is very interesting. Rafael Devers, not a good chase rate by any means, 36.3%, but that's after two consecutive seasons being over 40%. So is there maybe another gear here uh, for, for Devers going into 2022? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think 40 home runs are, are still a possibility for him. Not that he's that far off at this year. We've seen him pop a 311 average over a full season back in the year of the rabbit ball. So maybe there's even a little more than the 275 average he's given us so far this year. But I think it just means to me that Rafael Devers is one of the best young hitters in the game. I think he sometimes falls outside of that conversation, but I think he could play his way into it with one more great season, sort of building off of what he's done here in 2021. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, he's somebody that we we don't talk about a lot. And that's true for a lot of uh, first and second tier hitters because they're just they just produce every day and there's not much to say there. But I think that there could be something different uh, ahead for us and, and for him in, in 2022. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's look at the other uh, end of the spectrum here. The hitters that had the biggest declines in plate discipline is measured by chase rate. Uh, Jose Iglesias, the biggest decliner, um, going up from 37.7% to 47% this year. But again, not a lot of fancy relevance, even with more selectivity uh, for Iglesias. But Kyle Seeger, right behind him, a 9% increase, percentage point increase in his uh, chase rate from uh, 23.9% to 32.9%. Where do you see Seeger heading next year in terms of ADP and just general appeal? I think he's still going to be a fringy, like top 200 guy, even with the big power that he's put up. I think there's a lot of people who are skeptical of him. But what's weird is just like we saw with Devers, even though they went the opposite way with the O swing percentage, there's a spike in barrel rate year over year improvements each of the last two seasons for Kyle Seeger. So maybe part of it with him is being more aggressive has helped him unlock this extra level of power. If the trade off is, you know, kind of a Todd Frazier-y fantasy profile, then Obviously, that plays because of the counting stats. I'm kind of curious to see what the future holds for him. You know, is he an everyday guy in Seattle? Does he end up somewhere else? I think part of it's going to be age too. He's going to be very affordable because the slash line is ugly, even though the counting stats have been very good. All right, uh, right behind him, Gio Urshela regressing back to a very high chase rate. So I think really not much to see there. Numbers four and five on this list to me are very interesting. Carlos Santana, uh, uncharacteristically 
kind of just merely decent uh, plate discipline after really exceeding at that uh, for many years in a row. And then Sean Murphy, um, a big increase for him from uh, last year, 24.2% looked like he that was going to be a real strong suit for him in being uh, selective this year, kind of on the high side of, of an average rate, 31.5%. So how do you see uh, Santana and Murphy trending for you going into next year? Santana looks like an easy avoid for me. A lot of times these old boring veterans are guys that I will get late and end up being really happy with them because they play a ton. But I could see Santana losing playing time. This is a team that has MJ Melendez coming up to catch. They can use Sal Perez as a DH more to make that work. And Nick Prado is one of their other top prospects. He's probably going to come up and play first base. So there's one year left on Santana's deal. I'm not sure he actually finishes it in Kansas City as a regular. I think there's enough young talent coming where they're going to probably try and ease him in as more of a part-time player next year if he sticks around. And Murphy, you like him better, you think, now than you did uh, coming into this year or more question marks? Well, I think with Murphy, he's a younger player and and he didn't have a ton of big league experience prior to this year. I think only 200 plate appearances in the last two seasons combined. So still kind of a work in progress. I think there's more good than bad in his profile. I I really like him in two-catcher leagues because I think he might be a little bit cheaper than he was going into this season. Yeah, I think that's uh, very likely coming uh, up uh, next year with uh, drafts now, you know, several months away. But uh, lots to talk about, lots to think about. But uh, that's going to be it for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. We'll have lots more where this came from for the rest of the week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, enjoy your baseball. Good luck in this final week. And we'll be right back here on Tuesday. 